Coming up today on Abounding Grace. Pay attention to the things in your heart as you abide in him. Pay attention to the things in your heart as his word abides in you. Life is more than college. And life is more than career. And life is more than the American dream. Life is Jesus Christ and him alone, crucified, buried, and risen again. And if we get caught up, and as we get caught up in the things that are stealing our time, stealing our resources, stealing our heart from the one that died for us, church, you're going to get caught up in the last days, I warn you. And you're going to be a part of the scripture I read earlier today. And that's not God's heart for you. It's not God's heart for me. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Do you ever feel as though your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling, that God isn't really hearing what you have to say? Today on Abounding Grace, we'll uncover the key to answered prayer and fruitfulness in life. Pastor Ed Taylor will zero in on verses 4 through 10 of John chapter 15, where we receive the promise of answered prayer. But it's a conditional promise. Let's lean in and hear what Pastor Ed has for us today. This is a conditional promise. And there are some conditions to be met for answered prayer. Number one, you're abiding in Jesus Christ. That is an act of obedience on your part. Your relationship is growing in Jesus Christ. You're staying put. Using the earlier illustration, it's like dinner. The step number one, get to the table. We're not taking our food, your food to you. You get to the table. You stay close, stay put in the Lord. Secondly, his word then abides in you, he says. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, that it's at home. Let me show you something we haven't turned yet. Turn over to Psalm 119, would you? Psalm 119, verse 11. Because abiding, God's word abiding in you is so vital, so needed, so necessary. But these days, there's not a big effort from people to have the word of God abide in them. And it's discouraging. I don't know if it's a technology thing where, you know, so many are not using paper Bibles anymore. They're using their iPads or their phones for their Bible. And, and so the, the mind has changed. But in the day, and I'd still encourage you to do this. I, I do it myself. To take a three by five index card and write out the scripture that you want to memorize for the week and put it in your back pocket and take it, take it around. And then you pull it. I don't meet too many people these days are pulling out scriptures from the back pocket. But when I was a new believer, that's all we did. Sometimes we had one in both pockets. And we were memorizing two scriptures or a whole chapter. Or I had friends. I was never able to accomplish this. Except I was with one book. I was able, I don't have it all in my head now um, because I didn't keep practicing. But I was able to memorize the entire book of 1 John because it's kind of short. But that was hard. And just really diligently memorizing. Why? Because notice in Psalm 119, uh, pick up in verse, I think, 9 there. We saw this in a different context last time. Uh, in terms of cleansing your way, being washed by the water of the word. But now let's look at it in a different context. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. 
With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You need God's word in your heart, which means you need to regularly be hiding it in your heart, memorizing it, reading it. Some of the things that you're going to face today, God gave you already in your devotions when you were reading the Bible before you ever came to church. God already spoke ahead. Like that was amazing for me because today's uh, the third. I read the Proverbs every day. So today in uh, Proverbs chapter 3 is the verse that really fits. Where I quoted it last night just from memory, but it really fits because it's for this message where the Bible tells us to guard our hearts. Keep your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. That's in today's Proverbs. God already had it all planned out for the message today in my own personal devos this morning. Because there's going to be a day when you don't have a Bible. And there's going to be a day when the battery ran out on your phone. And there's going to be a day you're in such deep crisis that you can't just say, stop everybody, I need to get my Bible out and read it because I'm in deep crisis. You're going to be in the heat of the moment. And the Holy Spirit's going to dwell on whatever you have been abiding in your heart. I mean, think about it. Our memories aren't that good. Now, some of you are better than others, but our memories aren't that good. And so if we are just filling ourselves with whatever it might be that isn't edifying and growing us, then that's what's going to come out in a crisis. And that's what's going to come out in a difficulty. You're going to, if, you're, if you're feeding the flesh, the flesh is going to be very happy. And the flesh will be happy to respond to every crisis in your life. Which what? Only makes things harder and more difficult and less holy and less pleasing to the Lord. And your prayers aren't going to be answered. And you're frustrated and you're upset and you're mad. And now you're not abiding anymore. And you become hypercritical and hyperjudgmental. And before you know it, that sweet relationship that you once had with Jesus is gone. See, the condition is abiding in Jesus and his words abiding in you. And there's a third condition. And that is in verse 8, that the Father be glorified. God is going to answer your prayers as they glorify him, as they bring fame to him, as they help expand his agenda, not my agenda. This isn't a blank check, as I said earlier. This isn't where you can command God. We've already looked at each other and said, you're not God, but God wants to act on your behalf. God wants you to pray according to his word. And one of the, one of the things that we're doing on Wednesday nights is we are praying together as a church all the time. We are coming together and dedicating time in our church during the midweek to pray, to, to, to fulfill what Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says, on every Wednesday night as we gather, we are continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We have Bible study. In the breaking of bread, we have communion. In fellowship, we have time where we in, interact with one another, talk with one another, maybe set you know, a phone call or text or pray with one another. And in prayers. And we've been praying. God has been resurging in our hearts and reviving a life of prayer. Some of you have already caught on. Some of you, it's still yet to come. But the church moved forward on her knees. That's how we make progress. That's how you become stronger. Hey, even today, even today in our 8 a.m. prayer meeting before church, it has grown so much that we have finally had to move out of the prayer room because there's no more room in that little prayer room that we have. God has moved us into a larger room so we can have more people come together and pray. There are women praying right now, right now as I speak, praying for us and praying for our city and praying for the needs of the body and the prayer requests that come through and praying for things that are unspoken. The men, they pray during first service. Listen, prayer is going to move you forward. And if you want to experience real 
dynamic, answered prayer, abide in Jesus. Let his word abide in you. And pray that God might be glorified. One of the things that we're learning is to pray with an open Bible. I don't know if you already do that. But you should learn to pray with an open Bible. Because an open Bible will be, maybe you don't have God's word hidden in your heart, but you have God's word on your lap. So pray through God's word. Let it abide in you. You know why? Because this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that God's word is settled in heaven. There's no, nobody questioning in heaven. Is this what, what does the Greek mean? What is this? Nobody knows. And nobody's arguing about the Bible in heaven. They're worshiping the God of the Bible. (laughs) It's settled. So that when you pray according to the scriptures, you are praying a settled fact in the heart of God. And these are the conditions. Answered prayer. Notice he says to hide it in your heart that these words would abide in you. It's a heart issue, not a mind issue. It's a heart issue, not a mind issue. And I like that. He doesn't say to hide God's word in your mind or that the words abide in your mind. He says in you, the whole sum and substance of who you are, your heart. Because there's a significant difference between your heart and your mind. Your thinking and the seat of all your emotions. The heart is where things stay. The heart is a place where things remain and linger. The heart doesn't let go of things so easily. Have you noticed? It's this place of love and adoration. It's the place where true relationships really connect at the heart level. At the heart level in our lives, we really have compassion and mercy toward people. It's not just a decision, I think I will be merciful. Mercy comes from the heart. Compassion comes from the heart. Sympathy comes from the heart. Empathy comes from the heart. It's who you are. You don't just think about it. I think I will decide to be sympathetic for you. That's not sympathy. Great decision. You're heading in the right direction. But you're not going to really be able to connect until your heart is broken. The difference between your head and your heart about 18 inches is the difference between arguing or heartbreak. It's the difference between contentions or fighting and compassion. It's the difference for feeling sorry for someone or having true empathy for them. It's the difference between having a head knowledge, you know all the facts theologically like the Pharisees did, that's the religious, that's a religious place if it's just in your head. You're just religious. You're just going through the motions, but it becomes a life when it's in your heart. But you know, the heart is also a place where bitterness stays. It's a place where anger and frustration live. The heart is a place where you won't let go of something, where you won't release someone through forgiveness, where resentment lives in the heart. The heart doesn't want to let go of it. That's why it's still around. And God says, it's the heart of the matter in your life to find this abiding relationship growing. It's the heart of the matter. You can have all the right information in your head and produce rotten fruit. That's a source of frustration for some of you right now. You're like, I love God and I believe in God. And I know what the Bible says, but there's just so much rotten fruit. I feel like that branch that's been cast to the side. That's because the issue in your life is not a head issue. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue of what God's doing. He he is making you notice in verse 8, his disciple, his disciple. Remember the conditions for discipleship? Again, if we're imagining following Jesus and he's there and he goes, hey, you want to follow me? What is our answer? Yes, I want to follow you. 
You're the best thing that ever happened to me. You love, you care, you heal. Your words give life. Yes, I want to follow you. Yeah, you you can hear Jesus. You sure you want to follow me? Yes. Well, here's the condition. If you want to follow me and be my disciple, because there were a lot of people following him that just wanted a lunch, just wanted to see the miracles, but they weren't there to follow Jesus as his disciple. A submitted, committed man or woman that says, Jesus, you are the one that will teach me life and I will follow you. Jesus said, you want to be my disciple? Number one, deny yourself. Isn't that the issue in your life? Isn't the issue often in my life an unwillingness to deny myself? As we learned last time, self-sufficiency, expertise, intelligence, I have it all together. Those are all barriers to denying ourselves, to laying ourselves down before God. It's important that I learn to deny myself so that I might take up my cross and then follow him. A painful, painful path. The Bible says in Psalm 37 that if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. And so God is developing in you through that abiding relationship new desires. And when you begin to pray that which you desire that has first come from relationship, then God answers that prayer. God has given us a new heart, the Bible says. He promised it in Ezekiel chapter 36 to the nation, to the hardened nation, that I'm going to take out your heart of stone and I'm going to replace it with a heart of flesh. And then Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 3 that clearly you're an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone but on tablets of flesh. That is of the heart. And as we abide in him and he abides in us, he gives us new desires. He makes my longings his longing. He brings change to me in the inside out. And you know, this is very natural. It's not a weird thing. God often works in our lives supernaturally, miraculously, through very natural things. Just through relationship. Just things that grow. Just like any good relationship, take time and testing and abiding. We don't quit on each other. We steady on. We go through the thick and thin. All the way, good and bad. All of it in between. That's how relationships grow. And in this relationship, you know, I think, about, I think about Colorado. You know, me being in Colorado, we're coming up, well, I think we just finished 17 years living here. And just really the last, you know, few months, maybe in the first few years, I've been really seeking the Lord about being in Colorado, about my calling in Colorado. I've been reflecting on all the things that have happened to us since we moved to Colorado and all the great things many of the difficult things. This has been a big part of my prayer life recently and really in the last few years and, and just really asking the Lord to give some confirmation and some affirmation that I am where I am, you know, leaving. I know it was just a thousand miles, but we, we had all our family back there, all our friends and some of the trials and tragedies that have happened to us here, some of the craziness. It's just one of those times and maybe you find yourself in those times as well where you're just asking the Lord to remind you, just asking God to remind you where you belong and what he's doing in your life. And, and he reminded me of Colorado that God put that in my heart when I was a kid. We used to vacation here 
in Colorado when I was a kid. My parents couldn't afford uh, major vacations, but what we did do is we came to Colorado almost every summer, spent four, six weeks here, and I would hang out, um, you know, as a nine-year-old in the backyard of my aunt's house, which was a sprawling ranch with horses and, and just trees. It was in the country part of Boulder and just gorgeous. It was wonderful. One of the things I remember the most is you could shoot a BB gun in your backyard. That was amazing. For a nine-year-old, if you took a BB gun out in my backyard where I grew up, nothing but trouble is going to happen. Because I grew up in an urban area, uh, a very difficult part of town, gang-ridden and difficult. I lived there all my life until I got married. And as I was reflecting on this, I remember that even as a kid, nine years old, what I'm doing thinking about marriage at nine years old, I don't have any idea. But I wasn't saved. I didn't have a relationship with God. But I remember these thoughts that you know, when I get married, this would be a great place to raise my kids. This would just be a great place. We could shoot guns in the backyard. Not so happy about horses, don't get me wrong. I didn't think about, oh, we can have horses at all. That's not a thought in my mind at all. But I remember now through the time, like, man, I just had Colorado on my heart. And Colorado on my heart. And then when we began praying with other friends that God would have us to launch out perhaps and be a part of a church plant. Colorado kept coming up, kept coming up. We kept knocking doors. God would close this door. God would close that door until we finally came here where God opened the door and there was no closed door. And every year I thought about raising my family. Every time I thought about Colorado, God was impressing upon me that even though I didn't know it, he already knew that I'd be here. And that's how he brought me here. And some of you are thinking, well, Ed, if you can think about Colorado, then I can think about Hawaii. (laughs) And maybe you do. Maybe that's just one of the things on your heart. He's like, oh, I love Hawaii. Maybe you had a vacation there or you saw a postcard. And if I can, if God put Hawaii in my heart, then surely we'll be moving there soon. Maybe. If it keeps coming up over and over again, you really need to be praying, seeking the Lord. Where do you think that desire came from? I think of our own short-term mission trips. You know, there are many purposes why we do short-term mission trips. One is to really encourage the missionary. The ones that we support, we want to encourage them. We want them to have a week and a half of just somebody coming to serve them, take care of everything, do outreach for them, whatever we can to make it better there than when we first got there. That's the primary purpose, to to rest and encourage and develop the missionaries like Paul did uh, all throughout the New Testament. And there's a lot of other reasons, but another reason for short-term trips is to expose the body of Christ to what God's doing around the world. I I might need to go there. Why? Because God put that desire in your heart. As you abide in him and his word abides in you, he's given you a new desire. You delight yourself in him, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. And sometimes when we return from short-term trips, a few people on the team say, I've got to go back. I want to go back. I'm going to go back full time. Don't know the timing or all that, but that's their heart. They are now, now that they've seen it, now that they feel it, now that they've seen it, I'm going back. And sometimes we, we lose the fruit of some really wonderful, beautiful people from our church because they go full-time missions, just like they should. And we miss them, but God's using them. Or some of you come back, and, and, and actually some come back that want to go back, but on some short-term trips on occasion, they go out with 12 and they come back with 11. And you're like, what happened to the one? They don't want to come home. God has their heart there. And they just happen to be in a stage of life where they've just arranged it and that they know they're supposed to stay. And God is doing a work in their life. Pay attention to the things in your heart as you abide in him. Pay attention to the things in your heart as his word abides in you. Life is more 
than college. And life is more than career. And life is more than the American dream. Life is Jesus Christ and him alone, crucified, buried, and risen again. And if we get caught up, and as we get caught up in the things that are stealing our time, stealing our resources, stealing our heart from the one that died for us, church, you're going to get caught up in the last days, I warn you. And you're going to be a part of the scripture I read earlier today. And that's not God's heart for you. It's not God's heart for me. Even recently, even recently, another word came to me of a pastor for three years held an adulterous relationship behind the back of his wife, his kids, his family, and his church. It was finally restored. How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. A man decides not to abide in Jesus Christ. He decides not to let the word of God abide in him. And he becomes a liar and a deceiver. And my word to you is not my word to you. My word to you is a word to us. I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to toss aside such a great salvation in order to fulfill my own heart or my own wicked desires. I know my heart is deceitful. Above all things, who can know it? But I know God is in my life. He has sealed me with the Holy Spirit just like he has you. Stay strong. The key to answered prayer, the key to fruitfulness in your life, abide, stay put, don't move, stay there, remain in Jesus Christ. Amen. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor has been in the book of John. We're going through the gospel from start to finish. To hear today's message again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. And we have an app that we'd like to recommend. It's free and available on all platforms. This is another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings, including this present series. Search for Ed Taylor or Calvary Church and download our church app today. Pastor Ed is back with me now, and Ed, you touched on it early on. God answers our prayers with either a yes, no, or wait. Let's talk about being persistent in our prayers. Should we keep praying for something until we get a no? And how do we know when to stop praying for something? Well, you know, Larry, there are a lot of different ways that we can answer this question because our prayer lives, especially these desperate, continual waiting on God, knocking the doors down like the persistent widow type of prayers are profoundly personal and often painful. So to hear that we should stop praying for something would be very, very difficult to hear. And on very rare occasions uh, in the Bible, we, for example, with Joshua, have an answer from God to his prayer to stop praying. You know, there's sin in the camp. But other than that, there's not too many times where God says, I don't want you to be prayed to me anymore. I, I mean, there's another way of, of not praying, you know, where God says, if your heart's not right, you know, stop it, get right, come back to me. But I'm just reminded of the instruction that we get as Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonica. He said to pray without ceasing. And my encouragement to you is to pray without ceasing. That's really the basic answer. Keep praying keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking, and be ready and open for the answer from the Lord, even if it means months or years or a lifetime of prayer. Continue to pound down the doors of heaven, if you will, praying according to God's will, yielding yourself, very much like Jesus. Remember, Jesus says, hey, nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. And when you pray like that, you'll be strengthened, 
You'll be encouraged. You'll be helped. Uh, and it's, uh, it's vital. Pray without ceasing, friend. That's very helpful. Thanks, Ed. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to people all across the world, but we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come alongside us with financial aid and prayerful support. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. If you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Pastor Ed has written an excellent book for pastors and spiritual leaders called Sure and Steady. This workbook-style guide would be perfect to go through with your elders or pastoral staff. It's designed to remind you of the main things in pastoring and serving others. Each point and corresponding scripture can be used as a foundational truth in the ministry of serving within your church. Request the book Sure and Steady when you call 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. Zero Grace. It's our way of saying thank you for a gift of $25 or more. And here's an idea. Since this is Pastor Appreciation Month, why not order an extra copy to give to your pastor? You can order it online too at calvaryco.store. The question is, has Abounding Grace blessed you? We'd like to know. And it's easy to connect with us at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Leave us an email today and then join us tomorrow on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor returns to the Gospel of John. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.